0: This podcast is supported by Anashira. If you're looking for the finest handcrafted goat milk soap there is, well, here's a website you need to check out, www.anashira.com. We're offering a special promotional code for a 15% discount. Just enter the code STORIESFROMANASHIRA15, all together. STORIESFROMANASHIRA15. And you get a 15% discount. Last week, I introduced the episode after my dog Sammy and I had been driven out of our garden by a bolt of lightning and a huge clap of thunder. Well, it rained for the next five days hard. We live not far from Asheville, which is on the French Broad River. And when it rains hard for days on end, that river floods. And it flooded parts of the city this week. You may have seen it on national TV. But we've had no rain now for a couple of days. Maybe my garden will dry out. Actually, growing plants has been a big part of my life. That's what I'm going to talk about today. I'd climbed up the steps to the Fortner house A man had opened the door And I'd said, John H. Fortner And so on and so on I'm so glad you opened the door Why did I say that? I promised to tell you Well, here's why You remember those thousands of acres of fig trees? You remember how they surrounded the street Where I live with my family? Well, they're gone now they fall into to bulldozers, the bulldozers of progress. I'll tell you how I got to Fortner's house, the house where Fortner grew up. I left graduate school, and I moved to Spain to study the Spanish language. I wanted to dominate it. I figured I could do that in six months. Well, I read a book you may have heard about. It's called Don Quixote de la Mancha, written by Miguel Cervantes, a great work of Spanish literature. And I read it every day. I put an hour and a half in just sitting reading. And I looked up so many words, you can never imagine how many words I looked up. And I studied. I spoke to every Spaniard I could. I went to bars. And I sat and I talked to drunks because drunks will talk to you. They don't care how good your Spanish is. Well, six months turned into a year and a year turned into two years and I still wasn't happy with my Spanish. So that turned into three years and then I said, okay, is good enough. My ex-wife and I went back to California. Now, I didn't want to just work for anyone. I had this dream of I wanted to change the world. And I'd heard about the sperm whale that was nearly hunted to extinction because of its oil. Now, this oil was incredibly useful in cosmetics and as a lubrication in engines. Tolerates high temperatures. Now, there is only one other oil like it in nature. And that's the oil from a plant from the seed of the plant called the jojoba. Its scientific name is Simmondsia genensis. Now, this is a shrub that grows in the Sonoran Desert. It had not been domesticated at that time, although it was being studied in Israel, in Chile, at the University of California at Riverside, It's a shrub. It grows about two to three feet tall in the desert. Needs very little water, which is what we had in the San Joaquin Valley. Very little water. I read what I could find. The oil was a liquid wax, incredibly versatile. The seeds were expensive. $10 a pound if you could find it. And the oil was even more expensive. I bought some seeds, pitiful things. I need to go see these plants in their native habitat. I needed to go to the desert. Now, my sister, Beverly, taught at the adult education school in Clovis, California. And she had a student who was of Mexican descent, and his name was Rigoberto. And he said, Beverly, I want to go with your brother and harvest jojoba seeds. So I said, all right, man. I'll meet you out there. So he was from Tucson. His family lived there, a bunch of his family. So I decided I'd drive to Tucson. I'd get there, meet up with Rioberto, and we'd go out to the Sonoran Desert and study these things. So Rioberto, man, he was a nice guy. He didn't know much about jojoba, but I really didn't either at the time. But he did know Tucson, and he did know the desert. And you know what he knew best? He knew how to eat. Man, and he loved to eat. Rigoberto had his family there, and they invited us. They invited me to eat with him every day. We ate at his mother's. We ate at his sister's. We ate at his aunt's. And I ate the best Mexican food I ever had. And they said to me, Ernesto, es la auténtica comida mexicana. It's real Mexican food. And it was. So he and I learned about jojoba plants. We drove out in the desert and we walked. And we climbed up and down ravines. And you know, there's a female and a male plant. The male, all it does is pollinate the female. You don't get any seeds from it. And the female, you have to find these plants. So we went up and down ravines, and we found these plants. And like I said, Rioberto knew the desert, and he knew the creatures that lived in this desert. Now, we'd find shrubs with beans on them, but most of the beans had fallen to the ground. So Rioberto sees me on my hands and knees digging around under these bushes and he says, Ernesto, you know what you might run into under that jojoba bush? You know there are 13 species of rattlesnakes in Arizona. Oh man, you ever seen a gila monster? It's a venomous lizard. It grabs you with its teeth and it won't let go. Those things get about two feet long. You know we have coral snakes here. Their venom is three times as powerful as that of a rattlesnake. But they inject less. Oh, man. You know the scorpion, right? You know the bark scorpion? It causes severe medical problems. Don't tell me that, Rioberto. You want a tarantula to bite you with its fangs? Probably no deadly effects, So. You ever been bit by a centipede? Man, that's painful. But you might not need a doctor. Okay, Roberto, I got it. I got it. No more reptile. No more bug stories. Now, I spent a lot less time on the ground after that. So we were there a week, and we got maybe three 50-pound burlap bags full of seeds. But it was seeds and hulls, so not really 150 pounds. And we split those 50-50, as we agreed to. And Rigoberto took his part, and he sold them. I don't know who he sold them to, but he did. I went back to California to germinate mine. I wanted to establish test plantings. I set up a greenhouse in the dining room of the house we were living in. You don't just plant the seeds in a pot and walk away. This seed has a very, very tough surface. You need to scarify it to accelerate the germination. Now, scarify, you take the seed, you hold it, you take a piece of sandpaper, and you rub it back and forth across the edge of it to open it up so the moisture can get in. Now, this plant has a very long taproot, It needs to go down for water, so you can't just plant it in a pot. I used quart milk cartons that I bought from a dairy. I had the lights on for 24 hours. Man, I had hundreds of plants everywhere in this room. I didn't have any land. I had just been a student, well, most of my life. And I had a job in construction at the time. A buddy of mine was a contractor, and he built custom houses. So I worked with him in the daytime and at night, and on the weekends, I worked with my jojoba plants. Now, I found people people who'd give me use of their land for pilot plots. I'd transplant the young jojoba plants there, and we'd study how they did. I continued to read everything I could. I found a number of farmers in the San Joaquin Valley, He wanted the same thing I did. We banded together and founded the San Joaquin Valley Jojoba Growers Association. But my beans were small. My plants were small. One out of ten was maybe good size. I'd heard of a man named Fortner. And people who knew of him told me things about him. He lives out on Van Ness Extended. He has some huge jojoba bushes. He's the son of that fortner who planted all those figs around here. He invented the fig Newton to use those figs from his dad's trees. His jojobas produce huge seeds. You can't get near them. He'll shoot you, or he'll call the sheriff if he sees you around his bushes. Now, some of those statements were true, and a couple were not. I realized that since it took three to five years for a plant to produce seed, I needed better stock to begin with. I tried to get a number for Fortner to talk to him, but his phone was unlisted. I finally just went out, and I walked up those steps and knocked on the door. And you know, the, and you know that he answered it. And I said, Mr. Faulkner, I need your help. I hear you have beautiful big jojoba shrubs. Could you share some of what you know? I just could I just look at your bushes? He was pretty gruff at the beginning, but after I told him what I was doing, he said, Come on, let's go look at those bushes. He told me, you know, I didn't plant those bushes, my father did. He thought he could do something with that plant and the seeds like he could with the figs. Never did work out for him. The plants are pretty, though. And man, he was right. The jojoba plant is a beautiful plant. It's an evergreen shrub. These were huge. They were in good soil. They had plenty of water. The seeds were big, huge, much bigger. Than the seeds from the desert. He said I could have as many of those seeds as I wanted for my research. Just come over and pick them. Study the plants. I just don't want any other people traipsing around. And keep me posted on your work. That's great Mr. Fortner, I really appreciate it. So I gathered the seeds and I planted them and I transplanted the seedlings to pilot plots all over the San Joaquin Valley. Many of those jojobas are still alive today and producing seed. I would meet John Fortner for coffee, sometimes breakfast, and update him on my progress. And he'd tell me whatever invention he was working on at the time. He was known for inventing food processes and products. I knew he worked as a consultant for Pillsbury. Well... I worked on my jojoba project as long as I could. But I realized I didn't have the resources to fund the investments needed to make this plant commercially successful. And it would take a lot of time. And I found out that I had a baby on the way. I needed to get serious with my life. I needed to find a real job. I needed to make a living. I needed to be successful, support my family. So... That's what sent me into the corporate world, and my life changed. Now, you know, John Fortner and I never talked about his inventing the Fig Newton. It was such a good story, I just believed it was true. Only some years later did I go to verify it. Oh, man, I found out that in 1891, a man in Philadelphia by the name of Charles Roser invented a machine that inserted fig paste into a thick pastry dough. The first fig Newtons were baked at the F.A. Kennedy Bakery that same year. The cookie was named after the city of Newton, Massachusetts. That urban legend about the cookie that was running around in Fresno that I liked so much was wrong. John's father, J.C., did not plant a single fig tree in Fresno until 20 years after the first Fig Newton had been baked and sold commercially. Well, that's it for this week's story. Oh, although you don't see jojoba plantations around like we'd envisioned, you still see jojoba oil used in cosmetics. I'm blending it into a new line of soaps that I'm making, which I'll tell you about in an upcoming episode. And that's it. Thanks to our sponsor, Anashira. You buy our soaps and that allows me to continue with these stories from Anashira.